affordable housing and open space in New York City after COVID, what will be the impacts? I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And I'm Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. The city's parks became about the last place anyone could congregate, and that led to some controversy. Uh, people playing sports in the parks, even though they weren't supposed to, uh, escalating efforts to stop them, the closure of playgrounds. And now New York City is heading into a hot summer, and access to open space is once again a major pinch point. Here to talk about all of that is Adam Ganser. He is the executive director of New Yorkers for Park Parks. Adam, welcome to Max and Murphy. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Very glad to have you. And uh, for those who uh, haven't uh, heard of you or your organization yet, I'm sure there are a, a handful of folks out there who haven't. Tell us about New Yorkers for Parks. Where does it come from and what does it do? Uh, New Yorkers for Parks was founded over 100 years ago, and we are the only independent, not-for-profit advocacy organization that focuses on public open space and parks. Our mission is to ensure that all New Yorkers in all neighborhoods have access to high-quality and safe parks and open spaces. And we do that through our extensive research, through our work with communities and our partnerships with elected officials and government agencies. So, Adam, right now, when you think of the entire network of the city's parks offerings, which is obviously an incredible empire of different kinds of spaces, uh, different types of recreation that are offered, what is the level of access now? What is what is closed off because of COVID-19 and what can you use as you would be able to on any Wednesday evening? The larger uh, parks and open spaces are all open. I think the, the primary areas that are closed that still need to be worked out are uh, the beaches are still closed to swimming. Um, our public playgrounds are still closed, which is an issue because for many uh, residents of New York City, the local playground is their only access to green open space. So that's a real issue. Pools are closed. Uh, initially, that was uh looking like it was going to be closed for the full summer. There's now some talk about potential opening there. That would be critical. Uh, tennis courts and golf courses are closed. Uh, there's no current plan for those to be open, but uh, they should be reopened. I think we've been proposing alternative uses for those spaces. It's still to be determined how that will, how those openings will happen. So let's go back to a month, month and a half ago when we were in the, in the highest point of the COVID-19 crisis. There were some people who called for parks in, in total to be closed because of the, the mixing that was seen there, because of people playing sports and, and congregating in ways that did not involve social distancing. Everyone's seen those signs at their parks that show the big red, that's uh, a big red sign with a big white arrow, how far apart you're supposed to be. A lot of folks obviously not abiding by that. Uh, even a, a high-ranking park department person told me that they thought parks should be closed. What do you think? Do you think that they got the balance right with what they did and didn't close uh, in April and May? I think it was essential to keep the parks open, especially the large parks. They've been such a critical resource for all of us who have uh, been locked up in our apartments for now several months. Uh, so I think it was the right decision to leave those parks open. Um, I think the administration has really uh, leaned towards caution as a driver. Uh, that was probably appropriate early on. Um, the issue now is really management, and uh, you know, we're looking at significant cuts to the parks department, exactly where we need to be funding more for the parks department so that they can manage these spaces and people can have access to them. 
um, through the pandemic. You know, we're coming out of the worst of it, but there's no telling what's going to happen in the fall or next spring. Uh, so we really need to be beefing up our management exercises on, on making these spaces open and accessible to everybody. Yeah, talk about the management issue. I mean, obviously, there's the resource question, and we'll get to that. But, you know, I was in the park near my house in the Bronx. It's called Williamsbridge Oval. I think it's about the perfect park uh, several weeks ago. And, uh, you know, there was a game going on, a lot of young people playing uh, football, no one wearing masks. Police came. They gave out masks. They left. uh, And I wasn't sure if that was the right thing to do or not or whether some stronger action should have been taken. How do you think that should be handled because obviously this might come up again you know if, if people are beginning to congregate in parks as the summer months are you know become more and more intense we could see people not abiding by social distancing what will be the appropriate way to to regulate that i think you start with information you start with sort of passive um uh, management philosophies that continue to inform people of how parks need to be used how social distancing needs to continue the provision of masks is, a, is a, a, an excellent way to be continuing to communicate these issues. And I think the, the parks enforcement folks are, are the perfect uh, people to be doing that you know, rather than police officers. So let's talk about the beaches. Uh, break down that decision for me. Obviously, the, the mayor's reasoning is, I, I presume, that in if people were allowed to go in the water, it would be much more difficult to maintain social distancing and also that having the water open might increase density at the beaches and and parks that have beaches overall. What do you think of that reasoning? Is the mayor right to try to keep them closed or should we reverse that? I think we should be moving to open the beaches and my my sense is that that will be coming in in, uh, the next few weeks. Uh, you know, New York State has opened the beaches. The states around us has, have opened the beaches. They've all come up with uh, management strategies to make sure that people are social distancing. You know, part of the question is, how do you provide lifeguards for this? I think there there are uh, there are ways to do that and do it safely. The city council has come up with a number of points on how they suggest this be done, and we're supportive of those points. Uh, I think this is one of the areas where the city should be a little bit more aggressive and get these spaces open. We're going into the hottest part of the summer, coming June into July and August, and not having the beaches open on top of not having pools open and playgrounds, which together really are the, the main ways that people are cooling down, especially in communities that don't have a great amount of open space or don't have the money to, to pay for air conditioning. It's essential to be providing spaces for them to be cooling down. What do you think of uh, some Long Island towns and and, uh, and officials have uh, barred New York City residents from using Long Island beaches? Uh, what do you think of of that move? Is that is that understandable given the given the fact that the city is not opening its beaches? You know, I, I don't love it, um, <laughs> uh, but it, if it perhaps puts a little bit more pressure on the city to come up with creative solutions to get our beaches open, maybe there's something that good comes out of it. So let's talk about the park's budget. First of all, let's take a kind of a, a step back. Um, there has been a campaign in the city for many, many years to get 1% for parks. Uh, it's kind of crazy that the city's amazing park system has not typically had those resources. How have parks fared generally under the de Blasio administration? Have they seen any more love than they got under his predecessors? What was the state of play before this crisis struck? 
We, uh, New York is for Parks, along with the League of Conservation Fathers and DC 37, have put together uh, a coalition around a play, what we call the Playfair campaign, which is an increase to funding for parks, and, and that increases uh, really in response to the historic underfunding of the Parks Department. Um, and, you know, the 1% campaign has been something that's been discussed for for literally decades, and we are still... Uh, at, I think, 0.6% of the city's budget going towards parks, and we have one of the largest park systems in in the entire country. Um, I think one of the main differences between the two administrations is the ambition around public open space and park development. Uh, We have not seen that as a priority for this administration. I think that coming out of the recession, uh, that will need to be a priority. It will be a way for us to be um, leveling the playing field, so to speak, in uh, park access, um, developing additional jobs, developing tax bases, and using that development along with other buildings to to really um, spur an economic recovery. And I know one of the issues that came up early on during the de Blasio years, because it was parallel to to the same discussion occurring in other policy fields was the question of equity within parks and and equitable funding in parks and uh, an effort to or at least attention to trying to offset that by directing funding in particular ways was that a success did that did that work to to level the playing field among parks from those that had traditionally been kind of disfavored and and were a little run down and those that had uh, had had fared better over the previous years yeah, you know, I think that that was a that, that initiative is ongoing, and it uh, has poured a significant amount of resources into historically underfunded parks. Uh, I think it it pales really when you're looking at what the park system needs and capital improvements, and there's a, there's a lot more room to grow there. Um, and I think that that should be a part of of both the current administration and the next administration's priorities. Uh, so while it has done some good work, I think there's there's a lot of room for improvement there. So now let's talk about the parks budget that we're facing now. We've seen the executive budget. We're getting closer and closer to the deadline of June 30th when fiscal year 2021 will begin because fiscal year 2020 has ended. What does that look like uh, for parks and, and what are your hopes in terms of getting some back from the administration? Well, our, our hope is that the Parks Department budget doesn't get cut at all. And I think that that, that hope is uh, guided by what we're seeing is just tremendous use of public parks with uh, them being the only game in town. Um, what we've read thus far is that uh, the Parks Department is looking at a uh, roughly 10% cut to its budget. Um, that in comparison, for example, to PD, which is looking at a less than 1% cut. Um, we feel like that's an inappropriate cut for the Parks Department uh, for the reasons I've already stated. Uh, we're working hard with the Playfair campaign to try to uh, push in the opposite direction. And uh, you know, we'll see where this is going over the next month. It's, a, it's an incredibly important issue um, for us and for all of New Yorkers. I mean, a 10% cut just seems crazy because what I think people might not realize just because of the physical size of the park system is that in terms of personnel, it's actually it's, it's a mid-sized or even a small agency. It's just, it's just not that big, right? That's right. I think the budget, as I mentioned before, at 0.6 of the overall city budget, that, that is, you know, most major cities, that's, that's a very small percentage. 
Um, we have over 14 percent of the city land uh, is public parks and a tiny percentage of, of the budget paying for you know, over 2,000 parks. Um, it's just a it's, it's a difficult situation. It's a huge park system to manage. And the push to create more parks funding has been an essential push for years and years. But as we've seen every year, the first budget to get cut is the Parks Department budget. And we're looking long term to create a way for that not to be the case. Now, there are a lot of nonprofit agencies, uh, entities that play a critical role in maintaining parks from yeah, Central Park Conservancy to Van Cortlandt Park, Bronx River, um, uh, several other organizations, dozens around the city. I know that they have been in kind of a precarious position because of potential cuts to their city contracts, as well as maybe from the philanthropic world that supports them. What do you know about how they stand? Is that a potential uh, problem for the city that those organizations that play such a critical role might be uh, under kind of a, a double kind of budget stress? Absolutely. You know, many people don't know that there are these private uh, not-for-profit partners that are um, raising funds for our public parks, and especially for some of the larger marquee parks in the city, whether it's Central Park, Conservancy, Prospect Park Alliance, or the High Line. Those folks are out raising money for our public parks, and what we're seeing right now is that uh, a lot of those organizations, which uh, rely on public uh, or on private philanthropy, are seeing drastic reductions in giving, and those are going to have immediate impacts on their ability to operate and maintain these parks, which is exactly as you said, a double whammy. When you're losing the pro- uh, the private dollars and you're losing the public dollars. Um, the condition of our parks are definitely going to, going to suffer. So you mentioned earlier that uh, Mayor Bloomberg uh, expanded the park system a lot. Uh, Mayor de Blasio has not done that. But another feature of the Bloomberg era, and this was true, I think, in other cities, too, is coming up with alternative financing mechanisms for parks, you know, creating creating housing in the parks that that would partly support the open space or, you know, establishing a relationship with uh, a for-profit profit business based in the park. I'm not saying the conversation will get to this point, but if the mayor or the administration were to come back to you and other advocates and say, look, we, we think we can spend more on parks, we think we can at least avoid cutting budgets, but we're going to need to come up with some of these unique mechanisms that might look very different from what we've done in the past, that might involve a lot more private activity in parks to then cross-subsidize that open space. What would your response to that be? I think it's you know that we have to be open at this point to uh, all ideas. Uh, you know, I don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction saying that we shouldn't have a more private activity or fundraising act- activity in our parks, um, you know, especially with those large conservancies that are taking on the vast majority of the burden of funding the parks. They need to have avenues towards um, creating revenue to make sure that the parks can remain in the, in the, the great condition that they that they are. Um, I think a lot of this discussion will be really important as we're looking to build additional parks, which often come with rezonings. And uh, I think the, the, the key with those rezonings, should they happen, is that we can't lose sight of many of the policy decisions that have become priorities over the last six or seven years. You know, affordable housing, value capture for parks, transportation issues. Uh, all these things need to be on the table, and uh, I think the, the, the key piece here is to not reject anything out of hand because we're going to be in a really tight spot for the foreseeable future, and, and, and like I said, everything needs to be on the table. 
You know, one thing that occurred to me in the crisis, and, and you mentioned just how critical parks were when we got shut out of everything else in life and shut into our apartments and houses, uh, was just how valuable that space is and, and just how how oversubscribed it is. Uh, you know, I live in a very park-rich area, and even here, frankly, it was it was difficult sometimes to be in a park and, and not risk getting too close to someone else. It, it made me wonder... You know, as we think about density and um, the potential for you know other pandemics, just the idea that it might be better to have a little more space to roam in the city. Do you think we've gotten the balance between creating new housing and preserving or creating new open space right in New York City in recent years? Are there any opportunities to create new, more open space for you know what is apparently going to be a, a city that that grows by several tens of thousands more people before it's done? Uh, that's that's a, a, a really interesting question. I think the, the, my answer is no, we don't have enough open space. Uh, we also don't have enough affordable housing. Uh, I think the worst thing we can do is pit those two things against one another. So there's got to be policy initiatives that, that provide for both. It's really difficult to build large, grand parks within a city that is already um, you know completely uh, developed. But what we can do is find ways to build parks on the margins. You know, I, I point back to the High Line, which was created, obviously, on, a, on an old rail viaduct. Um, looking at that project and looking at many projects like the High Line that are popping up across the country, this is a, this is a similar challenge in, in urban areas nationwide. You need to figure out creative ways to be creating um, public open space. And if those uh, new public spaces are actually more conduits between existing public open spaces that some of them are, are, are less used, that might be another way to start considering it. If we look at a lot of the public spaces as being overburdened right now, but we're looking in Manhattan or looking in Brooklyn and, and here in Queens. There are a lot of large parks that are further out in the boroughs that are not quite as, as um quite as crowded and making sure that people are aware of all the public open spaces and parks that are available to them and making sure that they can get to them, uh, whether by bus or subway or bike, is is as important as creating these spaces. So last question. Let's say you're a, a listener is, is tuned into this, their ear pressed to the radio, and they are totally energized either by the quest to save the parks department's budget or even improve it uh, and or to reopen the beaches fully for swimming as well as maybe some of the other facilities you've talked about still being padlocked. What's your advice to them? What is the most effective way for people like that to try to influence this budget process and some of the other decision-making that the administration is going through when it comes to parks? The first thing I'd love for them to do is to sign our petition on our website for the Playfair campaign. Uh, the second thing I would ask them to do is to call their council member. And then the third thing I would tell them to do is to go to a community board meeting and go to a land use committee or a parks committee uh, a meeting and get involved because that's where it all starts at the community level. And finally, I ask this of any, any park person that comes on the show or I interview, what's your favorite park? I have, uh, I, I'm going to have to give you kind of a, a general answer. I love the Highland because I worked on it for so long. I love Prospect Park because uh, it is the park that is closest to me. And I, I really love Randall's Island because it is uh, different from any other park, both in its location and, and the activities that are going on there. I, I love all three of those parks. 
Uh, that's that's a good answer. It violated the rules, but that's okay. We'll we'll let it go. Adam Ganser, <laughs> executive director of New Yorkers for Parks. Thank you so much for joining us, and good luck. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. So that was Adam Ganser talking about the situation in New York City parks. Obviously, a, a budget crisis on one hand, or potential budget cuts to the parks, uh, a long-standing issue of equity in parks and resources, and then the question of how the parks are going to be used this summer and uh, whether or not. Uh, they will be open fully for beaches and tennis and playgrounds and some of the other resources that New Yorkers like to use and need to use. This is Max and Murphy. We are engineered by Reggie Johnson. Our intern is Anika Chowdhury. Our theme music is by Fort Indy. And I hope you have a great week in the greatest city in the world.